I can see planets in your eyes that even lowered imagination can't dream. And I want to visit every one over and over again in an infinite loop, yet simultaneously with each other. Stop making sense of it because sense only tricks your emotions. We can lay down a blanket and open a bottle of wine, squeeze from the finest intergalactic grapes, the funk of all romances, particles of heart matter trapped in bags of light years, buzzing around our heads, cheering us on, sending us home. I am Heath Armstrong. This is Never Stop Peaking. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon. While your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Idaho, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls People of all shapes, sizes, colors, sexiness, fragrances, energies uh, sometimes that comes out. It's good stuff. Hope everybody is so good today. In fact, I hope that you're so good that you're squeezing your nipples and slapping your own ass and celebrating your body, your mind, your sexuality, your progress, your creativity, your relationships, the fact that you can walk outside with your sh- shoes off and your socks off and touch the ground with your feet, and heal, truly heal. Nature is a powerful beast. It's a beautiful thing. Perhaps we are all of this source, and we just forget sometimes how important it is to connect. Um, one of my favorite people, Mary Shores, is on today again, and the point of this podcast, and if you listen to some previous episodes before I went down to do the ayahuasca ceremony, I did talk about how I would be reflecting on that at some point. I had Mary on back in July after she went through her first series of ayahuasca experiences in this very intelligent, beautiful, powerful plant medicine. Go back to episode, I believe it's episode 12, and listen to that. If you go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcasts. It is phenomenal the way that she is able to put her experience into words. Now, she came back on today to talk to me about my experience because I didn't know at the time when I was asking her because I hadn't actually experienced it yet. But once you're in that realm, it does make it very difficult to put these things into words. So in this episode, I am sharing my experience with her. Uh, It is my experience and my experience only. It is ultimate truth and ultimate love to me. And I hope that this open reflection of things that I've been dealing with in my life and I hope in some way that they can help you 
maybe expand the possibility of ways for you to heal in the world. I don't think that everybody should go do ayahuasca. I don't think that everybody should do plant medicine. I think that if it calls you in particular, you will know. And it is not something to do as a pastime. It is not something to do recreationally. It's a very serious thing. But even if it isn't calling you, even if this isn't your thing, there is a lot to learn here about the collective consciousness, ultimate truth, healing, our source, our being, and the ability for us to just lock arms and be this big, beautiful ball of love for the world and everybody else. I wrote a little bit of something on companionship versus love the other day, and I want to share that as well right now before we jump into the interview too. I think it's sort of fitting. So there's a definite difference in love and companionship. Now, this is two bodies in grace exploring chemistry or two souls in alignment exploring purpose. Companionship can feel hot if both come to dance. And true love pulls the sun into the sky every time. There is nothing wrong with either. But there is beauty in each approach. And the combination can turn the world on its head. Reach for the unity, but do not hunt it. You cannot find it, see it, or control it. You can only create it by simply allowing. No judgment. Dissect the mystery. Never allow your ego to staple possession because you own nothing in love and you own nothing in companionship. But, but, you become everything. And this is why we live and die. All the show notes, heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast. Uh, You can get all the links for Mary. She has this brilliant uh, ayahuasca resource guide that you can download if you go to the show notes, scroll down. Um, It's a lot of information. It's a lot of event centers, and it's stuff that you need to know. It's, It's the good stuff and the bad stuff about what it is. So go check that out. Also, any resources that we mentioned in the show are gonna be there. We talk about a couple books from Robert Monroe, Paul Selig. Uh, We talk about Sense8 from Netflix a little bit. So all those mentions are there. If you want to enter in to win some free shizzle nizzle, uh, heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. And I need to go through the past couple episodes. I know I haven't awarded the actual prizes for the past three. So I'll contact you if you win those. And if you enter, you do enter yourself to win every single future episode. So I never take you out of the drawing pool if you enter once. So do that. Um, If you want to help me out, leave a review. I'll donate $2 to the kiddos in Uganda and iTunes and Amazon as well. If you own a sweet-ass domination deck or a sweet-ass journal, Amazon helps drastically. I love all of you. I thank you so much. And I want to leave you with this. uh, It's it's chapter 19 in the the Tao Te Ching. Um, It's something that I pulled out today. But throw away holiness and wisdom and people will be a hundred times happier. Throw away morality and justice, and people will do the right thing. Throw away industry and profit, and there won't be any thieves. 
if these three aren't enough, just stay at the center of the circle and let all things take their course. Yeehaw, baby! Pull out them tits, pull out that dick, pull out that ass, and let's go! I have the pleasure to present to you testing an ad with some of our normal designs versus an ad that has boobs on it. What is that? The boobs are outperforming. Of course they are. Times three. <laughs> <laughs> this is That's funny. hilarious. Yeah. What's, uh, what were you just showing me? Oh, um, well, so it's been about six months since I, came back from Peru and these are like 14 of my integrative like sort of concepts that have integrated now that it's been six months. Oh yeah. It takes a yes. long time, doesn't it? It does. And so I just, I had a uh, journaled this the other day, so I printed it out because I'm interested sort of in a snapshot. It's so cool that, you know, you and I spoke like right when I got home, like maybe yeah. a week and a half later. And then now it's just been a couple of weeks since you got home. So I encourage you to kind of do something like this six months from now. It's just like, cause you know, integration is, is very important. I've got a, uh, I was actually just looking at my initial notes from when I left the ayahuasca ceremonies. I have so many pages and then reading through it and every single day that goes by, even since the last time we talked on the phone, like two weeks ago or whatever it was, it's like I start getting little more pieces. Like it's consistently yeah. working on you and things start to clarify and yeah, it's a interesting, magical thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going back, um, March 3rd to the 10th. Are you? Yeah. That's funny. March is, I was looking at March too. Where are you going to the same place that you went before? No, I'm going to Rhythmia. Oh, are you? Nice. Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting because when I was home, just like a, okay. So when I was home just a couple of days, I felt like, I mean, if it would, if I could have found a place that I could have, I was ready to leave. Like I remember sitting on my front porch a couple of different mornings, like maybe three or four mornings, like sipping my coffee and just like desperately searching every ayahuasca, reputable ayahuasca place like Blue Morpho, Solterra, yeah. um, Rhythmia, and like just seeing if I could leave that day. Like I wanted to go back there. So bad. But. In the end, I'm glad that I didn't. Yeah. Because it would have been too soon. Yeah, you don't. I guess in the middle of it, when I came out, I was like, "Yeah, we should go back like next month or as soon as possible." But then you start to realize how much integration still has to happen. And yes, it is a process. I'm feeling like 
sometime in March or April, I might go back down to the same place that I was at. Um, Really bonded with the crew there, the shaman, the farm, everything. But I honestly don't know if I, if I need to yet. I haven't felt it out. I have a little bit of a calling, but I'm so clear on my visions and what I need to be doing. And yeah. I'm guessing you're still in this sort of multidimensional space right now. Um, But I think like uh, we're recording this for a show, right? Did you figure out your recorder? Yeah, it's running. It's running. All right. (laughs) So I I, I know you're going to pump this out for an episode of Never Stop Peaking. So I was hoping to pull some of your story out, like starting from the beginning. So uh, like a reverse interview. (laughs) You yeah, up we should for do it? it. Yeah, it was. I was looking at the last episode that we did, I, and I realized that in that process of, because I was living in Lake Oswego, Oregon, I was still with Lindsay when we talked the first time, right? Or maybe it was yeah. like right after. I think we had might, might have like we were still living together, but I was moving. There out was or something. some, yeah, there was some shakeup going on right when you and I connected because you needed to reschedule and you said there was some personal things going on. And then like, I think pretty quickly either after we talked or, or maybe you told me after the show that you and her had, had split up. Yeah. So that must've been in like July when we talked or August. It, it would have probably been, um, it would have been after July 15th, I think. So somewhere be- before, after July 15th and probably before August 1st. Cause I think I had yeah, just gotten back from sense. that Tony Robbins event that I yeah, took myself that's, to. That's, that's exactly what you had just gotten back from. So that's, if anybody hasn't listened to the first episode with Mary, who I'm talking to, uh, it's per- it's my favorite episode that we've put up. It's episode 12. I've sent it to so many people because it's such a powerful uh, story. And like, I'm so excited to get to talk to you again. Um, and I have to tell you because um, <laughs> I was so grateful to have that conversation with you, Heath, because um, the level of detail that I was able to provide, you know, our whole conversation happened just right after I got home from the first time that I ever went and traveled to do ayahuasca, which is something that I was uh, extremely called to do, you know, and it's and it's in super contrast to who the image of who I am is, because on the outside, it's like I'm a CEO, I'm um you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom. I have two teenage boys. I run this debt collection agency. I'm a, I'm an author. So it's not like, I don't think I'm the poster child of the person who runs out to the jungle and does ayahuasca. But on the other hand, there's this other part of me that like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an archeologist and, you know, I just Uh, have this like super, really. (laughs) So I just have this like super curiosity of, of all things like ancient civilization. And I feel like, um, when I felt that call, you know, I really wanted to go to Peru. I, 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 I had a, I had a great opportunity to go there with uh rack Razam and jumped on it. We had a great time and here's the thing. Where the heck was I going with this? Oh, so when I got to talk to you, you were like one of the first humans that I talked to when I got back to have to able to actually be able to have this conversation and the level of detail I was able to provide for you. If we were having that conversation today, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And so one of the reasons I'm so stoked about doing this show with you today is to give you that opportunity to have this and it's going to be recorded because I have a feeling that a lot of the details of your journey 
are not going to stay in your conscious awareness. They're, they're going to integrate deeply into your subconscious, which is awesome. But if you want to remember the details, I think it's super important that we unpack them. I know every time I go back and even look at my journal entries, it's like, wow, oh yeah, there is so much detail there. And when you go into that sphere, like I think we mentioned this last time, is your brain it's kind of like a computer and there's only so much space, but when you're in that dimension, there's no space limit. Like you are, con you're absorbing so much information and you can, and you can understand so much more than you can in this realm. But when you come back, there's only a certain amount that you can retain that you can remember, even though it is integrating in your subconscious. And yeah. Just like with dreaming, because, you know, when you dream and you kind of wake up in the morning, if you're somebody who is somewhat skilled at, at knowing that you had a dream and you might, you might have some glimpses of some details that happened in the dream, but not the full picture, you know, like you might remember, um, one little thing or another little thing, but you don't really know how it all fits together. Well, that's sort of what this is like where you remember it all very vividly, but as time passes, it slips from your grasp. And so hopefully not a lot of it has slipped from your grasp. But like, tell me your first impression. So when you got there, when you got to, well, first of all, where did you go? <laughs> um, I went down to Mexico about two and a half hours southeast. I think southeast, maybe south. I have to look at a map to verify. I wasn't really looking at a map as I was there being transported to where I was going. But very high up. Um, you know, Mexico City is at like 7,000 feet itself, and this place, I think, was a little higher just on the edge of the – there were certain points where I was looking at my watch that we were at like 9,000 feet before we got to this farm, and it was a beautiful space uh, called Yolicia, and it, you have to be – you know, they're not allowed to market to the United States because of these types of plant medicines and things like that, but the work that they mainly focus on there is, is – um, and what they're really moving into is being able to help addicts of many different types, but mostly heroin, um, overcome that, that entity or, or sickness or whatever you want to call it. And so there's been some remarkable people that have gone through their program with that. And they don't just do ayahuasca treatments. They do, was it Ibogaine, I think is mm -hmm. the one that they start with for heroin usually. And, and some of the guys that I had a chance to meet with and talk with that that were very like you know lifelong heroin addicts that are now clean and working at the space. It's just like so beautiful to see that in life, that new life that they really appreciate in those spaces. And so we went down there. Um, you know, I was pretty ready. Like I, I had been researching and talking to people for years about this medicine and other types of medicines, and. I never felt like it was the right time. Um, but then all that stuff happened with Lindsay and then I talked to you and then right, right after that, you know, like at the time that I talked to you on that podcast, I didn't have it planned. I don't think to go do ayahuasca. Yet. No, you didn't. Um, <laughs> we but didn't even I think talk you about just, that, right? Well, we did a little bit. You said that you were like ayahuasca curious and that those are my words, not yours. We talked a little bit about your buddy Jared in Gaza. Yeah. And then I think it was... Did you ever connect was, with him? I did. Yeah, I did a okay. show with him. I should probably do another show. It'd be cool. I, I had some other things I wanted to do with him too. But so like you were pretty sure you were leaning towards it, but you were not fully committed. But I feel like it was... was uh, 
welling up inside of you and you started like, this is my interpretation. You started feeling that call more and more just because of circumstances and synchronicities. Like you said, talking to me, um, whatever, kind of like whatever becomes in your conscious awareness, you start paying attention to that. So what's your, how did you find out about this particular center? Well, it was like the, for, for when I look at the the angle of how it all came about, like I waited and waited, but I wasn't waiting because I felt like I needed to, I was just, it wasn't the time. And then the stuff, when it happened with Lindsay and like, I got back and that just like hit me, you know, I think I'm getting married. And then all of a sudden it's like this thing that you think is so perfect in unison or connectivity really is disconnected in some way that I wasn't aware of. And when that pulls away, it like leaves this giant void or this space that, that really could use some healing. And traditional methods of healing for me in the past would have been like, you know, buying ass tons of whiskey or like weed and just like going down the rabbit hole for many, many, t you know, weeks, days, months, whatever. But I didn't feel that there was that much of an issue. I just felt this like weird sense of contentment of being okay and like walking into this unknown area. And I, I realized really quickly after I talked to you, I was like, you know, maybe this is something I would like to explore. And so I put the intention out to the universe. Like maybe I'm seriously thinking about this now. And then out of nowhere, um, my best friend, his, his older brother had, uh, had a struggle with, with heroin for a long time, pretty much since, I mean, the last 15 years probably. And he had gone through this treatment center, um, successfully. And out of nowhere, like we, we, we were going to, Mexico anyways, to Mexico city. Cause I have a mastermind group that I was meeting down there to do some businessy stuff with. And then right on the, the hub of that, it was like, Oh, by the way, I have this Southwest companion pass. Do you want to come with me? Cause I can just tag you on my flight. And he was like, my friend, he was like, yeah, dude, that'd be cool. And then he was like, you know, I got a message from, you know, the shaman at this place that my brother was at. And like, I feel like I'm called, like we should maybe go check that out since we're going to go to Mexico anyways. And it's right there. And he's like, I don't know if he'll actually respond or if he's even there or if he's in Peru right now, but maybe he will. Well, like, I was like, okay, well, I'm down if I would love to like look into it if if he responds. Well, like, we didn't hear anything back for a long time until I think like a week right before we were going to Mexico, and then he just popped in and was like, Hey, I'm back. I I really feel like you should come here. And he hadn't talked to me yet, but the shaman actually did a video call with both of us before and made us fill out this questionnaire uh, to look at our intentions and things like that. And he was like, when we got down there, I realized, and especially after the ceremonies, he was like, yeah, I had no intention of doing any ceremonies. We're actually taking a break right now and resting and kind of get our health back. Cause it's very strenuous to, to hold that space like they do, you know, and him and his wife um, do it together. And it's the most beautiful thing. But he was like, for some reason, I just, felt like we needed to set this up for you two. And then there was another girl that came also on the back of that once he found out that he was going to do it for us. And she was from Hungary, so there was three of us. And then two other people that came into single sessions, uh, one was a, a, a guy that was already living and working there that had recovered from heroin, and he, had, he told me he had done more than like 30 sessions with ayahuasca. And he kind of laughed and was like, I think it's too much. I think I do too much, but he was like, I don't know. He's like, it's every time there's something I learned for sure. And then the girl from Hungary, uh, she was just, somebody told her that she just needed to go and 
she wanted to have like a crazy experience, go do this. So her intention was a little off, right? She wasn't there for healing or anything. It was more of like, uh, I guess a pastime type thing, but it very quickly yeah, like turned a, into a healing thing for her. I've noticed, I, I feel like there's maybe three categories. There's, there's kind of like the druggies that are just into like, they don't understand what ayahuasca is. So they just want the druggy experience yeah. of like the trip, the badge you know, so or whatever in the trip. Yeah. The trip, the trip report people. <laughs> and, um, then you've got like the, the psychonauts, you know, the, the psychonauts or the, what do they call them? Yeah, psychonauts, psychedelics. So they just do all kinds of psychedelics because they love the they love the concept of going to hyperspace, whether it be DMT, mushrooms, LSD, five MEO, like whatever. They're just down for the for the you know hyperspace experience. And then you've got the seekers and the healers. And I, I mean that's what I am. I'm I'm a seeker and a and a healer. So it sounds like this girl. You know, and maybe it doesn't matter because the healing is what it's about. It sounds like maybe she was more in the psychonaut uh, category, just like down for the. Yeah, I don't even know if she experience. was into that. I think she was more like just I think she was seeking, but she didn't understand what she was seeking. That's cool. But it was in, it was really it was a really great like collab. It was just the perfect people for the perfect place, just as it should be, as it so always you, is. You know, you had five altogether. Yeah, but the. We did two ceremonies. You did how many did you do? Three or five? You did more. I did five. You? Yeah. So that's that's a lot. We did two. Um because we were only there for four days, but we also did a Mezcal sweat lodge. The first one the first ceremony was uh at night. We started at like six or seven PM and it went till you know, three, four AM or whatever. And then we had a day off and then the next morning at three AM we started the second one. So we did a sunrise. And after that was over at like 11 a.m., we went to the Mezcal Sweat Lodge. Um, wow. Which was. You were, you were like back intense. to back. You probably hadn't even come down. It was Because I. Yeah. Wow. That's well, a, it wasn't that's back. A it, really... was, it, it was 24 hours. Oh, okay. Because we ended at 3 a.m. In, in the morning and then we had a whole day. And then the next 3 a.m. we started the morning one. Gotcha. Okay. So you yeah. had 24 hours. Um you know, we, ours was every other day. So I was on a 10 day retreat and we did five ceremonies and it was every other day. So there was, what would that be? 48 hours in between, but yeah. Wow. Pretty intense. Yeah. And we also had a small group. We had eight people. So I, I loved, if you haven't seen the Netflix series, um, since eight, I really, I have, I have not seen that. I recommend watching it because it's this show about these eight people and their consciousnesses are all interlinked. And I don't know about you, like if you had that experience with the other participants where you felt very like interwoven with their consciousness, but that certainly happens on our Yeah, group. that that definitely happens. Isn't you all have to hold your space. And if one person isn't holding space, then the others have to make up for it. Yeah, it's very it's very fascinating. I mean we are one massive collective consciousness on this planet. And, and when you're in a space like that and it's smaller scale, but you're using these tools or this, this medicine, it, it it's right in front of your face. Like you can't ignore it. It's you can, yeah, it's all that stuff. It's, 
so hard to it's put like, into words. It's like, you know, people call it <laughs> psychic surgery and all these different, you know, terminologies to describe what's happening. But I mean, just in, in plain words, I would say you're definitely like regurgitating up from the deep recesses of your subconscious mind and understanding things and integrating things that you could probably spend a lifetime thinking about and not get to the realization. Like, for example, you know, and I know that you got some pretty powerful realizations regarding your relationship with Lindsay and the breakup and all of that. I, I feel like you could spend a lifetime and you wouldn't have come to that same conclusion. But for whatever no. reason, <laughs> it just all clicks in and makes sense. And you get these deep, deep answers. So whenever you um, did you guys do any preparation? Like uh, sometimes people before they do do ayahuasca, they might do like a rape. Yeah, they, rape yeah we is did not rape. Fun. <laughs> How was your rape? Like, I, I was not a All fan right. of the rape. My shaman actually gifted me a bunch of rape. You see that? Um, awesome. To come back with, but I don't have the tool, and I'm not gonna like you. I actually didn't even think about it because who knows what's mixed in there. I brought it straight in my carry-on pack and was like, "Oh my probably... gosh, things not to do in Mexico." <laughs> <laughs> things not. I was like, they're, they're probably you could easily mistake this for any type of drug, but um, yeah, so like. I I really really intensely enjoyed the rape. It's obviously not fun. It, the first time, it's like your head is burning, and it was very ceremonial, though. I mean, I remember sitting there, and like he comes around, and it's got the blowgun and all of that. And and for anybody who doesn't know what rape is, it's it's like a tobacco powder with some other things mixed in, um, and it's blowing up your nose to create this, not by you, but by the shaman through a what almost looks like a it's like a bone pipe or something. Yeah, like they make a, a pipe, pipe out of and, a bone. And it just it it clears your head and calms you so drastically. It's such a interesting experience. Like it's this immediate calming. Like it, it, obviously, as, as soon as he does it, it burns like crazy. Like your head feels like it's on fire, and he slaps your head or whoever's doing and did, it. And like, did you have to do all that spitting? I yeah, remember I mean, there it was comes a lot up. of spitting. Yeah, there's a lot of spitting. It comes up like we're, we're really selling this. <laughs> well, it's funny because like in the rotation, I was always the first one to go because I was the closest to the shaman. And then by the time like the the girl from her name was Agnes from Hungary would see all of our other reactions, she would be like, because she was the last one. She'd be like, I don't, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You know, like your reactions didn't sell me very well. Cause like you do it and it's just like, Oh, but, um, raw pay to prepare. Yeah. Uh, in generally after the first drinks of ayahuasca, we, he would, we would do some chewing of a uh, coca leaves. And then also we had the eye drops. Did you do those? Uh, not probably. Oh. We did do some eye drops, but I don't think they're the ones you are referring to because I, I can't remember the name of the eye drops that go along with the because some people do that also in combination with a, a cambo cleanse or a combo cleanse. Yeah. So we we did the the I don't know whether it's pronounced cambo or combo, but combo. we did that. And I got like I've got my I don't know if you can yeah. see them, but I've got like my three dots right there from my combo. But I was kind of like Agnes because I went second to last with the Cambo cleanse and I'm watching all of these people like their faces swell up, racks rolling around on the ground because he can't stand up to pee. <laughs> and I'm watching like massive vomiting and everything that's happening. And I'm sitting there going, I'm seriously questioning my life choices at this point. 
because that's how we started our <laughs> retreat was with a cambo cleanse in the morning. And then we did uh rape right before, like maybe about two hours before our ceremony started, yeah. but definitely. So like one of the reasons people would do any of these other types of ceremonies prior to ayahuasca uh, for a cambo, it's really because cambo is such a deep to- uh, a detox. It's a very deep detox. And so the idea is that you've detoxed yourself so much that the medicine can go deeper. The plant medicine, the ayahuasca will go deeper because you've just like done this extreme cleanse. And I think with rape, from what I understand, and I'm certainly not an expert on any of this, just sort of repeating what the shamans and curanderos said is that it, it does some work to open up your pineal gland. Mm-hmm. So that when you do the medicine, the, again, it's all about enhancing that experience with the ayahuasca. And so uh, from what I understand about rape, the belief from the shaman is that you do this, like you were saying, you got this like really calm, uh, cleared your mind. Yeah. And so if, what was explained to me was that that's all about like opening up your pineal gland. And completely removing anxiety, worry, stress. It all goes away when you do it. And I think the eye drops were called like Sananga, maybe. Yes, that's it. And that was not pre-ceremony. That's more in the depths of it. They do it, but it is, it is. You think the rape is tough? That and I didn't do combo, so I don't know how intense that was. But the eye drops, like you, you lay there, and your eyes are closed. You know, and you're on your back, and then drop some on your eyes that are closed and they kind of nestle in that little corner. So as soon as you open your eyes, they're going to hit your eyes Well, you have to like prepare yourself. So you do this like little prayer thing with them closed. And then when they tell you to open your eyes, you open and they hit your eyes and you're, it's like you're a cartoon that die like a, that dies. Your limbs just go straight up in the air, you know, cause it hurts so bad. It's like the most painful thing. <laughs> and like, you just go completely stiff and it's like, Oh, and you shake like uncontrollably and it's like really intense, but it is insanely powerful because it sharpens uh, your perception of everything. It right. clears out, it, it cleanses the whole, you know, your peripheral vision. And all of a sudden I do remember like after doing that, instead of like not being able to see your hands and you put them on the side of your face, it was like, you could almost see all the way behind you too. It was really, wow. really intense. Yeah. So Can I just take a moment and say, I am in such awe of your, of how brave and (laughs) courageous that you are. I mean, it's, it just, I really admire that about you, like such an adventurer and not, I mean, obviously these kinds of things are not for everybody, but to hear you talk about like the pain that you had to endure and like people don't always understand that when they go in for these types of retreats, you know, this is not a meditation retreat. This is not a yoga retreat. It's awesome if you do yoga while you're, while you're there, but at the end of the day, you've got to know that you're going to go through some extreme temporary discomfort. (laughs) Yes. And you really feel it too with the medicine when you get into it. Um, I was on, I was oddly very calm coming into the space and, and very willing and ready. And I had done a lot of meditating on it. And my pre-interviews with the shaman were very clean and clear. And, and he was like, yeah, I, 
I feel like you have done a lot of meditation in this sphere and you know how to protect yourself. And these are things that can happen. And this is how you work your way through the situations if they do. And we're always here holding space. But he was like, I feel like you have a very good uh, ability to hold your own space and to also hold space for others around you. And I'm glad that you're here. And I think this is going to be a very blissful experience for you. So I was like, well, okay, that made me feel good. Like people that other people that had been like, it's going to be the most terrifying thing you'll ever experience. And like putting those in my head, I still was like, I don't know. I feel like I have this just unconditional love already going into it. And my intentions were very clear, right? One being, I really want to heal from this, this situation with Lindsay that I didn't expect to happen in life at all. You know, like it was this whole life was in front of me. And then all of a sudden I get back from a backpacking trip in Alaska and everything's different. And I have no warning signs, no, there was nothing that would lead me to believe that even a fraction of what happened happened because we just didn't have a lot of fights in our relationship. And if we did, they were very minimal. And what I didn't understand at that point was there was just an extreme lack of communication, which is something that I understand now. And it wasn't necessarily on my side, um, but I was also not aware, which does make it on my side, you know? So that was my main intention. And then I had some other intentions as well uh, about stepping into larger roles. Uh, The current business that I have not being in alignment with what I can be in the higher role. And even though it's like all my cash flow, uh, trying to get some guidance on that, you know, how important is that as opposed to me venturing into what really matters and, and what is that, what does that path look like? And, and really just surrendering to the mother, right? That was a big intention of mine was just to surrender and like be one with that and to, to experience it and to understand it because when you haven't done it as much as you want to believe it, and as many people as you talk to who have done it, it's like you have this feeling that you know so much about it or that you have experienced it, but you don't really make the connection until you're there. But then once you're there, it's just like, Oh, I've been here so many times, but you don't remember it in this realm. And so it's like the weirdest, most insane thing. If you talk about it in languages of this world, but when you're there, it's the most normal, comfortable, familiar thing you've ever felt. Like you were, I've been there before I'm going there again, you know? That's that's really interesting that you say that because I definitely researched it for six years prior to doing it. And and I agree that you can you can do your homework all day long and I encourage anyone who's even remotely curious, like first of all, don't ever do ayahuasca just because like it's trendy or someone Never. recommends it. Yeah. It's it's what is your own internal calling. You either Feel the call or you don't. And there's really no confusion. When I felt the call, I knew without a doubt I will be doing this. I didn't know when, you know, I didn't know how. I I didn't, but probably in 2015, um, 20, no, it's 2016, I knew for sure this was going to happen. And so uh, the first thing, I, I had the opportunity two times to smoke DMT and 
I did that. So I had like a little bit of a taste and I definitely had that sensation that you're talking about where like wherever I went, that was home or that was something. And then when I came back, it was like, oh yeah, I have to go back to being a human now. And that was really <laughs> like quite, <laughs> it's a strange thing to say. I have to go yeah. back to being human now. Um, but wherever I went, I certainly wasn't human. And that was kind of like what I took back. So that's very, you know, DMT, uh, dimethyltryptamine, I think is how that's pronounced. You know, that's an aspect of part of the ayahuasca experience that you get. But people that smoke DMT, you know, that's a very short acting, um, very short acting situation or experience that you have. Like mine was like three minutes yeah. versus ayahuasca because they're including it with the MAOI inhibitor. It's the same plant. It's the same substance, but because they know how to put it with this MAOI inhibitor, it doesn't get eaten up by your body. So like you're not yeah. metabolizing it so fast. It stays in your body for multiple, multiple hours. Blocks the enzymes for a long time so that you can Oh, is that what it is? Blocks it. the enzymes. Need some enzyme blockers in my life. <laughs> well, your enzymes that, yeah, the enzymes that try to shut the ayahuasca off, it blocks them so that it keeps the pathway open. It's so fascinating. And enzymes are like, I mean, they're a part of us. They're alive, right? Yeah. There's just like something that's alive. There's so much stuff inside of our bodies that are alive. <laughs> we're, we're an entire ecosystem, a universe just in our own. Giant. like. There's, you so, look inside of a tiny drop of water and there is an entire universe in there the same as us and everything else it's it's really mind blowing when mm -hmm. you were when you were there though when you when you finally experienced the ayahuasca did you not feel or did you feel like to me it was like i've been here before you know like i had no idea but when i got in there i was like oh i've been here before you know and we're there before birth or during birth and then when we die but that's, it was like, I felt so familiar. Like it felt so homey to me when I got in that space, like in the dream world, you're there, I guess a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so that it was I just don't, like so comfortable. I didn't have that kind of experience at the level that you did. Mm -hmm. I definitely, on one of the ceremonies I went to, you know, I, I remember saying like, I felt like I went seven dimensions away from here. And in each one of the different dimensions, the reality was very different. Like there, and a lot of people will report this and say that reality is more real than this reality. Yeah. And that's just kind of one of the known phenomena. That's a little bit about, is that what you're describing a little bit? It's like you're switching to a different reality, oh, yeah. but that reality seems now like the actual reality versus yeah, our just felt human like I had reality. Been there. It felt more real to me than being in this world. Like it, it felt like I had experienced that before. Like it, I remembered, I was getting, I was remembering times when I had been there, like, and mm -hmm. I was there or I am there. I mean, it all happens at the same time. Right. So it was just, it was a very homey type thing when I got in that sphere, very scary too. And like, we can talk about that experience. So I'm but. curious, uh, cause you just said something that triggered this, but like I had like three different time frames. So when I was over there in that other reality or in that place, it was like infinite time. 
And then there was like the way that my consciousness was perceiving the time, which was about three times longer than actual. So there was like the real time of the ceremony, which was, I don't know, I'll just say like six hours. There was the way I experienced the ceremony, like my consciousness experienced the ceremony, which was about 36 hours. And then there was the other reality experience of it, which seemed infinite. Like there was no yeah. time space. Yeah. So yeah, your time totally definitely gets distorted. There, There's a distortion of your time space reality, uh, which is the same too. Like when I smoked DMT, uh, I was, it was three minute experience, but it could have been an infinite experience. <laughs> I mean, it's so just like, and, and I feel like that's important to understand. And like for you, as you integrate over the next several months, the importance is to understand the power of the now moment. Yeah. I mean, there is only now, right? That's the part of the lesson. It's like this too shall pass, but there is no tomorrow. Like there never is a tomorrow. It's just, you're in it totally in it. I'm learning so much every day, Mary, like just interactions with people, the way that I approach conversations, the way that I think about situations, it's being able to pull myself out and witness myself in a whole nother way that I couldn't do before, even though I attempted to do similar things before it's, it's really fascinating because all I have to think about is being there, like talking yeah. to mother ayahuasca or just being in that space and it just makes everything else look so i don't like to use the word ridiculous but like ridiculous to worry about right or or maybe maybe not not the intensity emotional charge and meaning that we place on it yes that's good yeah yeah you know like it's so I can understand you using the word ridiculous as a description of, wow, we place all this intense meaning and emotional charge on things. You know why? Because our bodies, our human bodies are built to do that. We are like, we are like situation receptor responder, you know, because we have these like, you know, well, the five main human senses, but there's so much more than that. Um, so, yeah, and, and this feeling that you're having right now, okay, where this level of awareness that you're experiencing, um, I experienced that too for about the first several weeks that I was home. It was almost like I was aware of this other voice that was inside of me that sort of never got its due, never got to be heard. And I had a one night, it was almost like sometimes I felt like I was back in the experience just a little bit. Um, so I don't know if you've had that, but it, I remember one night I was like, um, I was like smoking some weed and, and it was good. And I was like hanging out with my kids and I got irritated with them over something dumb, of course, something ridiculous, like you say. <laughs> but then all of a sudden I had this like moment of, of awareness that this other voice that was inside of me, I started to hear it. And this other voice was like so neutral and loving. And I'd never heard that voice before. And I was like, wow, I got to tap back into that. So Whatever the reason I'm telling you that is to to sort of prepare you that, you know, my advice is to keep on a meditation practice and a yoga practice to keep that part of that part of it alive. Because if you don't, then things just sort of go back to status quo. That's one of the things that's so important about inter integration processes with ayahuasca. Yeah, I do this. I do this a lot. And I, 
I still look at my intentions and I'm still always meditating and affirming them, following them. I just recently did several of these kind of two or three hour sound bath hypno chakra mm. ceremonies here. I did one on New Year's Eve leading up to the count or the, the you know, the new year. And then I did one uh, just on the fifth there, which was, I think was a partial solar eclipse. Um, did you go back a little bit into your experience when you were doing the, uh, the sound bath? Yeah, it's, it actually works. So the way that the sound bath feels like to me, the frequencies get in my body and they work and it was very similar and, and very, it was, there was definitely sections where I flipped and was like, whoa, cause you know, when you take ayahuasca, you can feel it working on your body inside. Mm -hmm. It's just like cleaning out everything and like you can feel it bubbling and with the sound bath it was almost doing the same thing to me i was like whoa this is still working on on some stuff that needs to be cleaned up in there and then yeah in that sphere i'm going back into a similar area and i think it was more of just a hub of integration on top of it like it was a reminder of all of that beautiful sacred space that i was in but then okay, what am I doing in this realm to uh, bring that into my life and continue to work through it and with it for the higher purpose, you know? And <laughs> That's beautiful. I wasn't doing those things. I mean, I do solo meditations and, and chanting and stuff like that, binaural beats, but going into a physical space where the setting was really nice and all these amazing people that are setting up these instruments and like having that, that experience it put me back in a group setting and that group setting was a reminder of how I was there. And it was just like that same family feel. And so it allowed me to get back into that gate, uh, in a, in a way that I haven't been able to yet since I've been back. So you get, you get a that. lot of questions from people when you come out and it's like, it's very hard to talk to somebody who hasn't experienced it in a way that the best way ever was you on talking to me about it when you came out of your experience like that opened up so much for me because you did such a good job of putting it all into words and but i i didn't get how hard it must have been for you to do that until now, until now. like when i'm talking to people <laughs> and they ask me and i'm like you don't want to say things like you just don't understand or you just don't know because everybody knows it's just a matter of do we remember like how can we get to that gate are we activated yet some people aren't activated yet um Maybe some well, never know, get activated in this lifetime. I can tell you that one of the reasons why I didn't struggle to describe it is because I didn't I didn't think so much about whether or not someone would understand what I was saying. You know, yes. I acknowledged that, okay, this might be difficult to understand, but I just reported almost like a journalist, like I'm just reporting on exactly what I saw. You know, if you were trying to if you were describing the movie Avatar to someone who'd never <laughs> seen it before, right? That's a difficult thing to do because that there's certain movies that are just really, really trippy or like the movie, um, is it called the, the Robin Williams movie, What Dreams May Come? That's another movie that if you're trying to describe that movie to someone who's never seen it, it's almost like the language, the right language doesn't exist. And so, yeah, because this, it's really about you telling the story, it'd be good to like 
just don't even think about whether someone can understand it. But tell me like some of the things that you saw, like, did you get the imagery when you like take me through, okay, you, you, you take your first drink and you go back to your area, whatever area you had, and you lay there and you re- you rest and relax and, and you sort of wait. And like you were saying, you eventually you start feeling the sensations of the mother moving through you. So like, what did you see? What did you experience? Yeah, the first the first night was really interesting because I was a little bit anxious. Um, and the space is beautiful. It's this open glass uh almost like a yoga studio in a way, but it's all glass. So you can see the stars, you can see outside it's gorgeous, but you feel like this sense of safety being inside the glass container. And then there was this awesome farm dog, this big ass mastiff who would lay outside during the ceremonies and just protect the space. And you were free to go in and out, especially if you had to go use the restroom, which was on the side of the building and all of that. So it was a very comfortable setting and, the first night was just like very weird because I consumed four servings, which is far more than what the shaman normally, you know, what you normally start out with to go into the sphere. Once you're in there and you keep drinking, that's one thing, but, um, I never had any effects. So I felt a little bit sick and I felt a little tired, um, a little bit dizzy, but I never threw up. I never, never purged nothing ever happened. I never even like went to the, to the restroom. Like, and I sat there while other people were having experiences. It just never touched me. And after a while, it was just like, huh? Like, did I, did I do something wrong? Like, was I not intended to have this? And I started questioning myself and, and being like, why did I not experience anything? And I remember Andreas kept coming over and being like, do you feel the medicine? And I'd be like, no. And he would just smile really big, you know, and like the medicine is being very, very generous tonight for you. And, and then you leave and I'd be like, what does that mean? Like, does that, <laughs> like, what does this, like, am I supposed to be feeling it? Like, is this really not that, is it not what everybody has built it up to be or whatever? And so in that ceremony, like I sat there for like six or seven hours and just kind of like, it was almost like an extended meditation for me, but I, I could feel it moving around my body, but I never got any psychosis effects or anything like that. And when I came out of it, it was just very, the music was beautiful. And like the whole thing was amazing. Like I, I still got so much healing and just out of the thought process and the experience, but I felt sort of left out in a way like yeah. or disappointed or I felt like I did something wrong. And, and I was like, well, my intentions are really clear. I'm really open. Like I'm surrendering. Did I, did I do something subconsciously that wasn't right? That closed it off? Or was I not letting this happen in some way? As if you had control way? over that in the first right. place. Like, it, yeah. And, and so I talked to the, and I went to sleep and I journaled a while over that things that I learned and questions about all of those things. And I knew I had another night, but I, and I talked to the doctor that owned the farm and, you know, he had thousands of all these amazing plant tinctures and the work that he's doing is just phenomenal. And he, he lives in South Africa, but he happened to be there. And so I got to talk to him and he was like, the first time I did ayahuasca, he was like, I never felt anything. He's like, and even though you consumed four times the amount that most people usually consume, 
to have an experience. He's like, you have to understand that it's like putting on a suit for some people. He's like, if you already are very strong willed in being able to block yourself from energies like you are, he was like, because you do meditations and because you've been through these things and like, you've learned how to close channels off or open them when you want and to be strong the ayahuasca has to do more work on you. It has to do more work on your body. And what it's basically doing is it's putting on a suit for you so that when the next time comes, you'll be ready to fly. And I was like, okay. He's like, so don't count it out yet. He's like, you still got another night. And I think that things will be much different for you. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I love the way that you describe that. So my first ceremony out of five, I had a, a minuscule experience compared to everyone else. Like I might have felt some light vibrations through my body. I didn't really even feel the uh, the the snaking sensation of the, you know, when you feel the ayahuasca moving through your body. I didn't I didn't have any of that. In fact, I felt sort of agitated and I, I had a lot of too. Yeah, I, I felt like a sense of agitation and Did I you feel felt achy? I don't remember any achy or anything like that, but what I, I remember the racing thoughts. And so the conclusion that I came to, especially because like, you know, when you have racing thoughts or inspired thoughts or call them whatever you want to call them, but we know when your mind just sort of doesn't shut off. Um, and mine was sped up like that. It was like racing thoughts on steroids. So where there, there was just like thousands of thoughts hitting me all simultaneously. But my theory was that the medicine was actually working and what it was doing was sort of like sucking all of these monotonous thoughts out of my head. And it was a very agitating experience to go through, but it was what I needed to do to prepare me for the next ceremony. Yeah. And so I, I sort of have that same theory that, Mother Ayahuasca knows what you need, and so she just was sort of doing your your pre-surgery prep to get yeah. you ready for the next ceremony. I, so, that's the thing. He, he was very easy to understand after you have an experience with it, but during that session, like in between when I had done the one and not, not the second one yet, he was basically like, this medicine is very intelligent. It's so mm -hmm. far beyond what we can comprehend as far as intelligence goes. It knows what it's doing, and it's doing something, and you need something done to you to be able to open you to what has to happen in the next journey. And so I just put my, all of my, like, after talking and then talking with the shaman as well, it, like, I was no longer agitated or worried, and I was just like, I'm even more ready to surrender now. Like, Right, because was it wasn't done. so scary. I mean, I, I, I feel like I had that same sort of thing. So like any little fears, because I sort of had the uh, nothing experience, which I think uh, they call it nada, N-A-D-A, when you just sort of have like yeah, nothing happen. Nada. Uh, nada. So after my nada experience, I wasn't really afraid going in the second ceremony. So I think my walls and my resistance were down. And that's when I had the most intense experience like that's when i had the full ego death and <laughs> and the rebirth and and i had just like this crazy crazy experience but i felt like the first ceremony of not much was necessary in order for me to do the very deep work of the second ceremony so i would and, and it's also like when you're 
when you feel like you didn't have much happen and then like the next day when you're doing your share circle with all the other participants and, and you listen to their stories, it's sort of like, huh, you know, it's a good lesson in like how we go into something having expectations even though we know logically not to have expectations, we're still human. And of course, any kind of like if you go skiing, you expect to ski. You just it's natural to have expectations. And right. then when you yeah. don't experience anything, you, you, you definitely go into that like little inner self-critic or, you know, but you now know to trust that and it's all OK. So what happened when the second ceremony, which was now at 3 a.m., you, yeah. I'm guessing you did rape again. I was trying to find my notes. This is strange because they're all in this journal, but I remember really journaling after the first night. And I was curious to go back and read what I wrote after that first experience of not feeling anything, but it's, it completely skips from the notes pre first night to notes after the second night. And there's no in between, but I know I journaled. So it's, I have, and there's no pages ripped out. So I'm confused now where that's at. Well, but, um, either you journaled in your dream and not an <laughs> actual physical reality. So you journaled in the non-physical or you skipped and did it. Like, don't you ever just open up your notebook to a random page? Yeah, I, I guess that's possible. And I can, I know, I feel like I know I wrote it down, but I could have had multiple journals with me or something. But, um, so the second night was morning, I should say, like kind of just really hung out. There was a lot of, I was smoking a lot of tobacco, like ingesting, just like making the body or, or bringing the body into unison with that relaxing, like extended feeling. And we, I went to sleep, like I tried to go to sleep and then wake up. So I tried to go in at like eight 30 or nine to get a little bit of notes and then woke up around two 30 and went down to the space and was the last one down there. But when I got in, it was like the first night there was a fourth person in there who was the worker that was on the farm and he had an intense experience. I talked to him about it in between on the day. And, and then the second night it was just, like this, this random guy that I had never seen before comes in. His name was Yvonne, I think. And he was the fourth person on the second morning and like in the middle of the morning. And he was like, and I hadn't talked to him yet. I hadn't seen him, but he was like also a, a, a shaman, a shaman of some sort, or he does. I can't remember exactly what he did, but he does water healing with people where he takes him to hot springs and he does like, it's like Reiki, but in hot springs and like, I, I don't know, but he was a very magical person to have in the room as wow. well. And so not knowing who he was, it was like, oh, this is just somebody else that's over here. Like I wasn't familiar, but wow, his presence really made a big difference in the ceremony. And when we got in there, yeah, we started out with Rape. Um, and then when it's time to drink, he actually brought out another type of ayahuasca the second night as well, just in case. Because um, the shaman was feeling like certain people may need this other ayahuasca, but wasn't really dictating who. But if he felt like during the ceremony he needed to get this out, it's a, it was a different type that he got from Colombia, I think. And I actually stuck 
and and again, the first night I'm drinking the same ayahuasca as everybody else. I don't feel anything and other people have mass effects, right? The medicine is really interesting. So when we take our first serving, again, I'm the first one to do it. And I go up and I am consuming. And you do a prayer and you set your intention and you take it in a very sacred way. It's kind of like an altar in front of the shaman. Um, and he gave me a pretty big cup. It was bigger than the first night. First serving of the first night. And I drank it and I went back to my seat and everybody else started going around. And by the time all four of them had had a drink, I was sitting there and they started playing a little bit of music. Actually, what happens is they sit in silence for an hour and you wait in the darkness. There's no music yet. So it's just pure darkness and silence and you just sit there and wait. Well, within like 10 minutes, I started feeling really dizzy. And I felt really sick and was like, oh no, like I'm, I feel really sick. And the, the wife of the shaman who I guess I also could call her shaman. She's incredible, most magical voice. And she played a flute and all these other things. She, at the exact same time as me, we started purging like on cue with each other. And we kind of like felt connected and, then right after that, the shaman started purging, and I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is going to happen, I think. But in that moment, like purging, I remember not even barely being able to get the bucket, and it was so much, so much that was coming out. And it's like a black tar, you know? And I've never seen anything like it. It was just like – it was like an ocean of just tar coming out of my body. I know it sounds really gross to people, and it kind of is, but – it's like you are detoxing in a way that you've never detoxed before. And as that's happening, it's like just this overwhelming, uplifting feeling of like angels, like pulling my shoulders down and holding me. And like, as soon as it's over, it was just this, this relaxing state of, wow, like I can just sit now and like, I don't feel sick. But as soon as I thought I don't feel sick, I immediately hit the ground. Like I fell over like straight down. I couldn't sit up anymore. And then I was like, Oh, like this is really, really, really dark, really dark. And I went into this space where it's just like immediate, like there wasn't even like a, a lean in. It was just, bam, you're there. And it's nothing but sacred geometry all over. And it's very dark, sacred geometry, dark spaces. It was almost like a very dark forest. Um, and all of the, the trees and the plants were just kind of dancing in human form, moving around. And it was, it was kind of scary though. Like I was actually really scared. I was like, Whoa, what is this? Like, this is, this seems kind of eerie. I don't know what space I'm in. I'm like laying here. And at that point I was completely unaware that I was in this medicine space. Like I was just in, I was in the dimension and, um, it was, it was cold. I was aching. I just remember being so cold that, I like, it felt like I had been there for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, probably in conscious time. But in that moment, I mean, it felt like forever that I was laying there and I was like, am I going to feel this cold forever? Like, and, and in that moment of feeling really cold, I just felt like this other blanket go on top of me and it brought me back into the space and the shaman put a blanket on me. Like he immediately knew that I was cold, which is very interesting because it probably thinking about it from the outside, like 
I bet it had only been like five minutes since I drank or since I threw up that that was happening, you know, but that extra blanket changed everything for me and whatever energy that he brought into that for me. And then all of a sudden, like she, the mother appeared and it was like, a. there was a little bit of an issue with some cronies kind trying to come in. I, I guess that's the best way I can, I can explain it was like, so did you see the mother? Or did you just yeah. sense her presence? You you saw. Well, I the... sensed it at first, and it was like, "Hello, you're here." Like you didn't believe that I was real. Like, well, look at this. Like, look at me now. Like you were doubting, but like, why are you doubting? Like, we are all here. This is it. Like, there's no more doubting now. And there child. was a a powerful feminine presence then. Yes, and, very, and very. Eventually, that manifested manifested into a visual. Yeah, I mean, right at the beginning, it was kind of visuals. It was she was part of the sacred geometry and the pattern started coming forward more and more. And it was mm -hmm. like a sacred geometrical female figure that was coming through. Um, but it was so dark. It was kind of scary at first. I didn't realize exactly what she was, but it was interesting because before she appeared, there were these like three male, like it almost felt to me like New York times comic strip figures, like these okay. just very, like they were like goons, you know, like cronies, like these mm -hmm. that were like, we're coming in to help you. But I felt so against it. And I was like, no, like this doesn't feel right. And, and I kept thinking like, no, I don't need to go down this route. Like I'm here to see the mother like this. I, you don't feel like the mother. And, and I, I went back to my intentions and I just started reciting them. Like, this is why I'm here. And then they immediately were vanished. And like the spirit guide was there, which was uh, like a, a grayish, uh, canine or fox of some sort that was kind of just like looking at me like, Hey, follow me. And then as I started doing that, the mother came through and took over. And from that point on, it was, everything was with her. And I was in that space for a long time with her, just like doing this. It was almost like a, a ritual initiation type feeling, you know, like we're here, here I am. Like you can't doubt, you know, you never really did doubt, but now your your human mind isn't going to doubt anymore. And we're doing this. Like this is this is it. This is me. We're doing this. This is the moment of surrender, it sounds like. Yeah. And that went on for for a while again, but at some point in that realm I came out back into the space and right before that she was like, If you want to go deeper to find, you know, this healing or to, to discover this path, then you need to, to go deeper with me by drinking more ayahuasca. And so I came back into the sphere and I was like, I felt like I had been gone the whole night, you know, and I'm like looking around, but they still hadn't started playing music yet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's it was still that the pure distortion. darkness. Yeah. yeah. That's that time distortion where, you know, you you're thinking tons of time has passed, but, but yet, I mean, who knows how long it had really been. Yeah, I think it had been probably around 30 minutes or something because he usually would start like from the first night. I remember it was about 45 minutes before he started playing music to an hour maybe because mm -hmm. he doesn't start playing until after he purges and he hadn't purged yet, I don't think. Or he did, he did early, but then he sat for a while because as soon as he did was when I hit the ground. Um, but anyway, not everybody had – and there's just that it's like a waiting period, you know, it's a very sacred thing where you don't do anything. You just all are sitting there sharing the conscious space, waiting for this to happen. 
or for the medicine to come. But I remember coming out of it and like my vision, you know, when you're in that realm, ayahuasca is a very interesting thing, much different than many other psychedelics, because if you open your eyes, you come right back. You know, you're, you're back in the space. It's not like you are stuck there. If you choose to open your eyes, you come right back. Um, and you can go right back into the other world by closing your eyes again. It's like you can transport dimensions on demand. And when I came when back I opened, in. When I opened my eyes, I still had an overlay of oh, the yeah. visuals. So, yeah, I mean, I could open my eyes and I could thing. be back in the Maloka. But at the same time, I still had all the lines and the and <laughs> all the stuff. I, I wasn't seeing the sacred – I have seen sacred geometry more in a situation of like having an out-of-body experience with um, meditation, but yeah. it does it has not happened to me very often, and I'm always so excited when it does happen. So on the other hand, this, this sort of overlay was this very subtle, co- colorful, um, almost like a veil of still being able to see the visuals – or, you know, my my experience was very jungly because I was in the jungle. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little little different. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about because your whole reality can change based on whether you have your eyes opened or closed. Yeah, the, the overlay was still there. When I opened my eyes, it was still this gigantic – it was the geometrical grid. Like every single mm-hmm. thing, the building, the trees outside, the stars, everything was connected by lines. Right. Like it was like this huge – you could see – it's almost like if you're looking at a computer architecture program and like how things are mapped out. Like it's the connection of everything together. and It's beautiful. Like, But seeing that was like, whoa. Like not only when I'm in that dimension, it's like that, but this world is actually like that too. Like we right. are in this design, like we're in this thing. And so I went back up. Um, I He wasn't actually open for more drinking yet, but as soon as I came back and sat there for a second, I was thinking like I was a little bit confused because I didn't know if the whole thing was over or, you know, how long it had been <laughs> or like how long – that if that was the whole night that I had been in that realm or whatever. Right. And then he goes, I, at this time I'm going to open up the floor for more, um, ayahuasca if anyone wants to go deeper. And then they start playing music. And I was like, wow, this thing just started. And so, yeah, then I went into my second drink, which sent me straight back in. Um, and while they're playing music, it's like the most fascinating thing ever because, now you have this like orchestra melody guiding you through this just beautiful symphony of, of healing for me. And it was like, mm-hmm. it changed. It was when I went back in, it was so drastically different than the first time I went in. It was no longer dark. And I was with the mother and it was all about healing. Like it was my first intention and it went through just nonstop. Um, nonstop lessons or just realizations between Lindsay and I and the way that that whole thing was structured and why it had to happen the way that it did and connecting me to things that I thought that I was missing in life and, and how I wasn't really missing them and then tools to bring them into my life and sustain them. And so for instance, um, the big question for me is like, why, like, why did this happen? You know, if you give somebody just unconditional love for so many years, and I did, I really did. Yeah. 
just in a way that I couldn't have done it anymore. Why would somebody like that pull away without even having a conversation with you about it? If they were having problems or something like that and not trying to explain it to somebody. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain this in my way. Like you said earlier. Yeah. Just pretend like the whole world understands you perfectly. So I went into, there was a gap between the dark stuff, but then everything was light. And like, I was very much in the jungle and we were also, we weren't in the Amazon jungle, obviously, but we were in a pretty jungly area, a farm in the middle of a jungle. And it was very jungly vibe. Everything was really green. And, and the mother was this just giant, gorgeous tree, but so personable, you know, like it, it is the source in this tree and a huge system of roots that were kind of wrapped all the way around me. And one of the main lessons, and I have a lot of them written down in this journal too, of, of what happened, but one of the main things that we can talk about because we don't have unlimited time on this call <laughs> is she was basically like, this isn't something that was of fault to you, right? Everything that you've ever experienced with Lindsay was exactly how it needed to be. Everything you've ever experienced with anybody before that in relationships was exactly how it needed to be. But in a way, all of it was already planned. Like the way that it was happening was planned. What I'm moving towards and into is already set up. And every single one of these relationships is actually the same relationship, just in a different projection. Mm. So doesn't matter which, which girl that, I was having a relationship with, they're actually the same person in a different projection to be the exact person that they need to be for me to step into my higher role. And at some point that ends and has to transition. And with Lindsay, it was like, there's no animosity. Like you're not suffering. Like there's, there's nothing terrible about this. It was this blunt, just right in front of my face. Like it was all of these if you could take every single scene that you ever had in a relationship, like every single engagement or interaction and have them all play out at once in front of your face, we were together for six years. It was like every single thing that we ever did together. I know that's hard to comprehend for anybody listening. I watched every one of those things happen at the exact same time right in front of me. And I was able to comprehend it and see the entire thing play out exactly how it did. And there was what it was doing was highlighting the love that was there, like the childlike connection. It, it took us back to the roots of the children that were within both of us. And it was just us playing with each other through all of these different scenes. And no matter if there was like stress or any type of conflict wasn't highlighted at all. It was just the beauty in everything that we had ever done. And it actually would like bring me to tears. Like I can't believe how much love was actually there. Cause looking back on it, I felt like, there was something really drastically missing from it, you know? And, and I just felt like, Hey, I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I just don't feel like I'm getting the love back or like I wasn't getting the love back. And it feels really bad to look back on that and think about how much energy I gave. And I just never received any of it back from her. And I didn't realize I wasn't receiving any of it back. Cause I was overcompensating myself by giving more. And right. that made me feel like the love was there, but, in reality, like I just, in that sphere, I realized that I just didn't feel like I was getting anything back. And she was like, Oh, 
you don't think that you were getting any love back. Like, what about infinite love? She's like, you don't feel like you know how to, to feel love, but you're just not understanding how to let yourself feel it. She's like, the lo- it's not a matter of if there is love. Everything is unconditional love. Like, let me show you. Let me show you what you have the power to do at any time. Whoa. And, and then did she show you? Yeah. So she she had this root system, right? And to show me that she basically pulled her roots out and every single root was any relationship that I had ever been in with a girl. They were all there. And it was showing how they are all the exact same thing connected. And really this goes into the fact that we're all one collective consciousness. Like I am you, you are me, we're all projections. And we all are exactly what we need to be in these moments when we need to be them for particular reasons. Right. And so when she was showing me like how all of them are actually the same beautiful things in different projections and like anything negative or of source that I believed in was absolutely fabricated or it was like, it was just false. It was an illusion. Like everything in its prime is just this unconditional love. Then all of a sudden I realized that like, no matter if there's a relationship between Lindsay and I or not, like the relationship is always there. She was like, your relationship and your connection and this way that your guys' energies play with each other in this childlike, unconditional love, even though you're not physically together in a human relationship, like that is going to be there forever. You're always connected, just as you are with the people before. And whoever comes into your life next is going to be of the same love as the previous ones, just a different version for you to be optimal moving forward. And it brought me to tears because it's like you, all of these things that you think like in the comparison and judgments between people that you're together with and you think like, oh, I can't believe I dated that person for so long or why didn't I do this better or why didn't we talk about this better? Like none of it matters because it really always the whole time was only about this source of just unconditional love. Like none of the negative stuff has anything to do with it. It's like every step that I've taken forward was because of unconditional love in a relationship of some sort at some point in my life. And under like for the first time seeing how every single relationship is the same, like in itself, it was in that realm, easy to understand when you come out, it's harder to comprehend what that means. But what it did was it healed me drastically because I no longer looked at Lindsay as like this person who left me high and dry or did something bad to me. But I look at her as this just miraculous piece of myself that was so beautiful and so intense in every single way that I could never have become the person that I am without it. And it had to be exactly how it was. And she took me through this, this whole scene of like Lindsay's life inside her perception in her body and showed me that it wasn't anything to do with her as to why she pulled out of the relationship, but it was everything to do with, with the source. Right. And because of something that I need to work towards, there was another projection that has to come into my life. That wasn't her. And she had no control over that feeling, but you know, as a download from this perception in this universe, she's getting these downloads. Like you have to pull out of this relationship but she didn't understand why. Like I had to go in there and feel that pain. I had to go in there and feel her suffering and her pain and that confusion that she was going through. And I did, and I felt it. And she had no, like, it was like, she, 
why am I having a change of feeling after all these amazing years? Like, why do I have to do this? And I realized that it was more painful for her than it was for me. And when you're the victim, you know, in that situation, you want to look at her and be like, why did you do this? Like, this is awful. I can't believe that you would sacrifice everything we had. But then you realize like there wasn't ever a choice, you know, there was never a choice and it wasn't something that had anything to do with anything other than unconditional love. And that was huge for me. I was just like, this, this isn't her fault. This isn't anybody's fault. This is just what has to happen moving forward for some greater purpose. And so she, I, I felt like, you know, this was removed from me. And I was like, well, what do I, what do I do? Like, I, I don't feel like I get enough love. I don't feel like, I feel like I give so much to so many people and I spend so much energy helping others and teaching them. But a lot of times I get depressed and I have panic attacks and like, I get really anxious and I feel very empty and alone. I mean, that's just a, a reality in my life. Like I go through some really dark stages and she was like, you don't have to have any of that anymore because let me show you, like, if you want love, unconditional love, one, it's already here, but two, it's, <laughs> it's right here whenever you want it. And so she pulled one of this, the center root out and she just shoved it into my stomach. And it was like this flow of energy that was purple and pink and orange, all serotonin. And she was like, feel this. And it was like this just jet of energy coming from her through the root into my stomach. And it was just lighting my body up of nothing but pure happiness, joy, unconditional love, serotonin to an extent that I had never felt any type of joy like this in this world. I'm not sure that you can. I, I was laughing uncontrollably. I was crying. I was like, just couldn't stop. It was a feeling far beyond like orgasms or any, anything. Like it was just like this, this ultimate unconditional pure love. And I was there for a long time. Like she didn't stop. Like this was going on and on and on and on. And I was just riding this wave of serotonin. And she was like, you never have to worry about ever finding happiness again, because you'll, this is always here. And now you've opened this channel and you can have it whenever you want. You just have to remember that you have it. It's unlimited abundance. It's unlimited prosperity. It's unlimited, unconditional love. And I just cried and like cried and, and laughed and cried. And like, at some point the shaman came over, I guess probably to check on my energy or whatever. And I remember he had told me he thinks it was going to be a very blissful experience for me, which was hard for me to comprehend because I was like, well, I have to heal, right? This has to be hard. This has to be right. Healing hard. has, to, that's a belief. Yeah. Yeah. It's a belief that you have to suffer to be able to heal. But in that moment, I'm like, he keeps tapping me and he's like, sit up or he, he keeps saying, sit down, but I'm laying down already. And I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm sitting and he's, and he's like, he sit down. And I'm like, uh, like I'm in this zone just like being pumped up and I have my eyes open looking at him, but I'm still feeling it, you know? And I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And he's like, sit down so I can play you a song that you need to hear right now. You need to receive this. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. Like sit down. And, and then I realized that 
that he really just wanted me to sit up, but he was using the wrong word because his English wasn't Or you perfect. were hearing – or you – oh, yeah, or okay. I, or I was hearing the opposite. But so then I was like, oh, so like I sit up against the wall and he sits like right kind of in between my legs and he starts playing me this song. And it just sent me on this journey. Like <laughs> it felt like a lifetime where I'm connected to this tree. I'm flying through space. I'm nothing but just orange and pink fire of serotonin. And it was just the source of happiness, bliss, consciousness, everything all together, what seemed like forever. It was like this this just ultimate reminder of how beautiful everything really is all the time and how we forget, yes, but if we pay attention, we can always go back to that beauty just by listening to the moment. Like just go back to your breath. And she was like, breathe, just breathe. This is all you have to do is remember that you can breathe and that's all that matters. And so that was just, and I, I don't know who knows how long that I laughed and cried. Um, and he played this song and like after it was over, I just remember him smiling at me and I opened my eyes and looked at him and then he went, he like just kind of nodded his head and then went back to his space. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? That was intense. I want to go back to it, you know? And so I closed my eyes and went back and like, she had pulled the root out and was like, there were some other lessons on top of it. Like, you know, you experience the suffering that she went through. You experience that everybody that you interact with is actually just the same person in a different projection in this time space continuum. And we all have a purpose and we all show up in each other's lives exactly as we need to, to have the conversations that we need to, to give the love that we need to, or to give the opposite so that we can reflect something that needs to be reflected that we wouldn't necessarily see. Um, if there is negativity, there's a reason like it's to reflect the next thing that's positive. If there is a problem, it's because we need to find this opportunity for a solution. And everything in its source is this foundational, unconditional love. And I just couldn't stop crying. And like, that was only after the second time that I drank. And then she said, if you want to go deeper, you should drink some more. <laughs> really? And did you? I did. I drank two more times. And I honestly, the, the, the last two drinks, like that was what I just described was like my main thing. And after that, it was, it was just all this bliss. Like I kept going back into this dance with the universe and with Lindsay. It was really, she was there heavily in this whole situation. And, and it was just like, we were these child spirits just loving and playing together constantly. And there was no hurt and there was no trauma. It was just unconditional love of us together and like understanding, like pure understanding of who we were and, and what, what our roles were for each other and things like that. And then there were these very vivid um, glimpses of my, my whole future on this planet, like where I got to see exactly who I was becoming places that I would be. And I'm sure that when I get to those places, it'll be like deja vu, right? Right. And it was like me living in these future tense of myself and experiencing what my life was becoming, which was a lot of public speaking. It was a lot of uh, so much abundance and just love and like just this, this 
purpose of like why I'm here and the things that I need to be doing with other people and like expanding from my mindset of thinking that I should only be on the internet talking or like talking to one person at a time into understanding that there's a much bigger purpose and, and a much bigger audience that I need to be relating with on a, on a higher level. But then also, uh, it was a lot of interaction with, so I've, I've had a lot of visions of a daughter in my past through meditations and dreams. Like I've interacted with this, this girl that is my daughter as I know it. Um, and it's always in the woods and it's always, you know, she's like four, five years old. I don't know. Blonde, blonde, curly hair. Um, and I've had so many interactions with her. Like I know that that's coming. And I always thought that that was something that was going to come from Lindsay. Right. Like it's just cause there was always a female presence with this daughter, but thinking about it, there was never a face, you know, like I don't ever rec recollect that it was actually Lindsay or anybody else, but it was there. It was, but, but all I can remember is like this, this daughter, but in these ceremonies or in this ceremony, I like, I got to hang out with her again, but oddly enough, there was, there was another one. There were two of them <laughs> and they were like Whoa. the same age, but one had dark curly hair and one had blonde curly hair. And I have like blondish red straight hair. So it's, it was interesting, but then there was also another figure and it was a female presence and she had dark, she had dark hair. Like I got hair color this time and it was dark curly hair and that can mean anything really. It doesn't necessarily mean that that vision is exactly what's going to be, but there is something happening there and I did get to participate in some kind of future interaction and of something that will happen and occur at some point. And that was really beautiful too. It was like this just space of pure happiness. So like, I think that that moment in itself was like a time where I am arriving to be this, like the ultimate Jupiter rising, right? Like in this moment is in that. Um, and maybe like the, the most, the largest type of love and joy that I could imagine is to be around this, this daughter or these two daughters or whatever in this, in this cabin in the woods, like just working on craft, right? Creativity and what truly matters in life. And it, with that, I, there was a lot more, there was just a lot of public speaking stuff again and, and dancing in this sacred geometrical sphere. And I kept thinking like, Oh, I want to go back in and play. And there was a lot of times where I'm, at one point I'm playing with all of my dogs that had passed away. I lost two, two of my dogs last year or in 2017 and in breath work, deep hour long breath work meditations and things, they've come back to me and I've had experiences, but this time I was with those two dogs and my current dog, Sachi. And it was so crazy because as soon as Sachi appeared, the shaman starts playing the song Sachi Tananda, which is Sachi's full name out of nowhere. And it's just like, Sachi Tananda. And I'm like, Whoa, like, did he pick up that frequency from me? Like playing with her and she appeared and I'm like, and ever since then I'm looking at her, like, can you see her back? I don't know if you can see yeah. her on the ground. She looks like she's napping. Yeah, she's always napping, but she's, <laughs> she's ha like had this very angelic, godly, um, presence to her since I've been back. Like she just looks at me in different ways and it feels very spiritual with her now. And it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And after that, we did the eye drops 
and that just like you know kick things back oh, in more. Now. But yeah, talk together. <laughs> um, the eye drops, like the whole perception thing, and I could see behind me, and it was just this very sacred coming down of like, whoa, well, you know, we'll never question that again. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, easy to say, I guess, in in that way. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was very serotonin based and unconditional love for me, Mary, and and healing in so many different ways and i think it can be but i i think that that's just something that needed to happen for me you know and i'm integrating it still like what does all mean i'm not like walking down the street trying to find every girl with dark curly hair and thinking that they're going to be an important part of my life or anything like that (laughs) Uh, so yeah here we are yeah so do you feel complete i do it felt very complete it yeah it doesn't ever really feel complete complete but it felt very complete and it still does i feel very whole i feel very healed i would love to sit down with Lindsay and have that conversation about her but it's like there's no open i, I just don't feel it's like how how are you perceived in that? Like if I were to open that up, like how would she perceive it? Um, would she, you know, a lot of people look at you and they think you're batshit crazy. Like this is absolutely insane. Like this is all nuts, which is fine because not everybody is supposed to experience things like that. But I mean, you go one and the, see see the source. One of the things that I feel like I've definitely been able to integrate is like fully expressing myself in my authenticity in every moment without the worry of how someone is going to perceive it or take it. Like, but my job is just always to tap into that authenticity. And so one of the things that, um, and, and actually only because you said this did I even comprehend, but like, even with like my close friends and stuff, if I feel like telling them I love them, I just tell them. And that's not something that I would have ever done before because it wouldn't have felt like appropriate or. I know I've um, noticed that too. I've noticed a mass shift in that, that I'm doing as well. I just feel so much more authentic in my expression with Mm. other people. And I feel so much more fully connected when I'm with other people. And not to say that that's every single moment because I do get pulled back into the rat race of like my career and like fun things that humans do like traveling and you know, whatever is going on. But that's, that's been a huge um, piece. Another thing that's happened for me, which I would, I, I, maybe this would happen, but everyone's experience is so unique to them. So I can't say what will happen to you in your integration is that from the relationship standpoint, I've had a lot of people from my past reconnect with me. So like you mentioned these other girlfriends all being projection from the same, you know, entity or the same person, which is what we all are anyway. But like, I've had so many people from my deep past, I'm talking like high school, 25 plus years ago, uh, just like resurface in, I mean, the internet makes it so easy. So it's not (laughs) like it's a miracle or anything, but like one guy in particular, um, I had been kind of like thinking about him and then he 
I didn't even know, but he was subscribed to my email list, you know? And so he'd been getting my emails and he just like responded to one of them. And I recognized the name and I said, well, is this like the Eric that I knew, you know, 25 years ago? And he said it was. And then he called me and he, he just like had all these beautiful things to say to me. And it was really nice because one of the other things that I've, I've integrated actually quite recently in the last three weeks is to understand that everything, and actually this came about from a moment I was with my son. I have an 18 year old son who's on the spectrum and his behavior can be quite abrasive and aggressive at times. And he's also six foot five, um, compared to my like five foot nine. It's my height. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's six foot five, 270. You're five, nine. That's pretty tall. Yeah, I'm 5'9", sometimes 5'10", sometimes 5'8". Did you say 270? <laughs> 270 for him, wow. yeah. He's, yeah, that's he's 100 a big, pounds more than me. Big, big linebacker guy. So um, he's like, he's like, I'm driving him to school one morning, and he is just like criticizing me. He's telling me how stupid I am, and he's really like very angry towards me. And I I got my fill of it, and I was crying um and I was begging him to stop and he wouldn't stop. And so I pulled the car over and I kind of like, I got out and I'm in the Midwest. So it's really cold, you know, and I, I just like dropped my head into my hands and I was crying. And in that one moment of dropping my head into my hands, I realized that every word coming out of his mouth was a reflection and a projection from my own subconscious mind. And so it's just like what you're describing that you had happen. But like this was this was, again, something that didn't integrate until six months for me. Okay, so I had this moment of awareness that everything he was saying to me was exactly the same thing I say to myself. It's like a mirror. I put a poem up yesterday on this exact subject. I'm trying to find it. I'll read it really quick. I don't know. This this is interesting because you're telling me that. And like I got that download of the exact same type of principle yesterday. So it's whatever you reflect, the world is like a mirror. If you reflect happiness, the world is happy. If you reflect anger, the world is angry. The world is just as you are, like a mirror. So smile in a way. Um, that's a little bit more outward projecting, but similar concept of. It, it's so true. And projecting, yeah. after that moment with him, you know, I dropped him off at school I it definitely lessened the emotional charge I was feeling, you know, because I had been overwhelmed with it. I drove home and I look at my phone and I'd also been a, a nominated for this local award here in our town called the Athena Award. And I had like all these like strange emotions coming up because of this nomination because I'm like reading it and all the recommendation letters. And I realized that those are also a reflection of, you know, so whether I'm whether I'm being uh, praised or abused, they're all just a reflection or a projection of my own subconscious mind. And I think that that goes a lot along with like what you experienced in your ceremony with all of these multiple different girlfriends, um, all being one, you know, all being this, this different projections of the same, of whatever, myself, I mean, basically, yes, of yeah. yourself. I mean, and that's the strange trippy thing. That's very difficult. I know I mentioned to you the Monroe Institute, like in our offline conversations. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask but you I about really, that. yeah, I really recommend that you read or audible. They're on audible. If you let, if you're an audible person, um, Bob Monroe has three books and I recommend you read all three of them like boom, boom, boom. 
uh, far it's journeys out of the body, far journeys and ultimate journeys. But he really goes dives deep into this concept, um, telling it through uh, his own stories of how he kind of figures out that everything that's happened, it was like all him doing it. So like if somebody else did something, he, he was the one who did it, but you know, I don't want to bore the audience with this, like with, with that book, but I'm Mary, just there's that nothing ever attached to you. That's boring. Right. <laughs> oh, but there is. <laughs> oh, if you saw me eating pudding in my bed at late at night, listening to <laughs> book and drawing circles, you'd be like, okay, <laughs> that's not boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's not boring. Um, yeah, so you had a you did an amazing job yourself um, explaining this. So I, I recommend that you, when you get this episode all like ready to go, that you transcribe it and stuff because you did an amazing job. Thank you so much for sharing your experience for all who get to hear it someday. I'm so happy for you. I I love your energy, Mary. Really, you make things so comfortable, but you're. I don't know. I guess you probably do realize, but you are very, very, very magical and just beautiful in so many ways that I, I'm really honored to know you. Oh, and thank you. I appreciate you. everything that you're doing. Um, I could feel, I could feel a lot of collective shifting going on just on, you know, you think about monks, they never physically see somebody in person. Like, normal Western world could look at them and be like, what are they actually contributing to the world? They're just sitting there doing nothing in these <laughs> rooms, but the energy that they put out in those spheres is unbelievably more powerful than anything that we do in the Western world, just from using their minds and putting out the energy. And I feel like with you, you have this gigantic just surge that's coming out of you. And it's really, really helping and affecting people in so many different ways uh, for the you better. Know I had um I recently had an experience uh, a friend of mine that I'm pretty close with he was we were talking about something and he he's he's older than me but he's really open minded so if I mention something he'll like look it up and actually consider doing it and we were talking about DMT so he was like well maybe I'll try some and it was kind of funny cuz he was asking me about it and I said well I said, have you ever felt vibrations when you're like waking up or going to sleep like have you ever felt your body just like subtle subtly vibrate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, he goes, actually, but it's only since I've been hanging out with you. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, just being in my presence caused spiritual awakenings. Yeah. Of course, that was like a big moment of ego, but it was kind of cool to think about like, can you affect? And, and so in this book that I'm reading, uh, Paul Selig book, it's his fourth book called uh, Mastery. I like the him. book of mastery. Oh, I love, 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 love him. Um, He's talking about this like in the field, so not like in our conscious awareness, but in the field, the the I don't know what he calls it, an energetic field or some other kind of field, like that other place that you see yeah. when you go to ayahuasca, that you do affect other people in in this field. And it's not by doing anything. And there's like a big part of me that feels like that's a part of what is happening too, like collectively on the planet, why we're calling in so much uh people that are have the diagnosis of autism or other other of these like uh, diagnosis is, is because they're, they're just operating on such a different frequency that they're just like those monks that you mentioned, which by the way, so let me just mention this. Um, I'm not sure when this episode will get out, but I am going to, um, it's, you can either, if anyone's, 
in the audience interested in this or wants to have an experience, I am actually going to be at Rhythmia from March 3rd to March 10th, and it's the women's only week. So it's going to be an incredible week where the owner's wife, who's a friend of mine, her name is Brandy Alexander, um, she has been downloading this divine feminine teachings from the ancient mystery schools. And I am so freaking excited about this because I know that I was definitely a part of the ancient mystery schools in some previous life. Um, I just have no doubt about that. And so she is going to, we're going to go through a, a journey of learning the, the creation story of the earth and humans and all of this stuff and being uh, called to the divine feminine. And this is so important to my heart because I just joined this mastermind um, called the Unicorn Club. And... <laughs> This, you know, Marianne Williamson came and spoke to our mastermind. You got to understand, I was sitting in a room with 20 women and one of them was Marianne Williamson. Like <laughs> you talk about having your night, I'm not worthy moment. And that, that was definitely one of them. But she was saying to us very successful businessy women, um, Hey, that's great. You know, you're, you're great that you can become so successful, but like, and she really went on and on to paint this picture of these powerful women who are so successful and they can manifest money and businesses and connections and, and all of this high level stuff. And then she looked at us and she said, so what, so what? And she's so right to say, so what? Because the important thing is that those people who have that power to create are using those powerful cre cre creation skills to make a difference on this planet. So, so what? You can make a million dollars, so what? You can make 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, who cares? What are you doing to make a difference in this world? And I just I feel that. this huge <laughs> calling that, like, and even in my uh, healing session I was in yesterday, my person who was like speaking directly to me, she's like, yes, you are part of this calling for these powerful women who can make a difference in the world just by, just by, just by your powers of creation. And so anyway, that was a long blown out thing that I don't even know why I went into all that. But if any of you are, if any of you are uh, interested in this majesty week, yeah, please come. You have to be a woman. I'll put, uh, I've got long hair, Mary. <laughs> I can tuck it. But you have the wrong equipment. I can, I spent a lot of, spent a lot of time back in my high school days mastering the tuck. We could really, we could really make this happen. I, I have no idea what that means and <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> hey, also, I was going to tell you, coming out of the ayahuasca ceremony, I, I am going to mention that. I'll put it in the, the notes, um, for anybody who wants to check out links or if you don't hear this directly and go yourself, just go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcasts, and this will be episode 18. Um, but coming out of that second ceremony, we went into a, a uh, Tamazcal sweat lodge. So have you done one of those? Probably not. I, we did do a sweat lodge in Peru, but it wasn't um, super sealed, so I didn't feel like I got the full sweat lodge. Yeah, this uh, is experience this is coming out of the ayahuasca thing in itself. But uh, it was one of the most 
sacred like experiences. I mean, it's you know you you heat them through these volcanic rocks that are that are burning for a long time, and you're shoveling them in, and you do four salute. You know, you you do four. Um, I don't know what the word would be for it. Four sessions in the lodge with opening up in between, so that you let some of the hot air out, so you don't die. Um, and each one salutes the earth, the fire, the water, and the air. And each one has a different ceremony involved with it. And it's collaborative. And there's hundreds of different plant medicines that are brought in and burned on the rocks for each um, session. So for water, there's certain ones that are burned that you inhale. And like it creates all these herbal aromas that you're breathing in and you're doing all this chanting and these drums. And it's like, ah. Uh, I can't explain how how amazing it was. And then at the end, you're you're basically blessing each other. So you go in a circle and you bless each other and clean each other's head with water. And I'll never forget that experience. Like, and to be able to do that coming out of the ayahuasca thing was was very interesting because even by itself, it would be such a powerful thing. So those two together was just like, wow, that's an indigenous tradition from Meso. Mesoamerica, right? So I'm not sure how long that's been around, but probably a really long time. Well, I know that Native Americans have a lot of tradition around sweat lodges as well. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a practice that they still engage in today. I have a friend that does them quite regular regularly with other men and he is really all about it. He was telling me like it really deepens his connection to his spirit guide, like gives yeah. him really good access to his spirit guide and his spirit guide is native American, which is why he um, kind of started going that route. Plus he lives in Arizona, so he's got super good access yeah. to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it was something that was used for uh, mass healing of, of the sick in the, the Aztecs did this. There are a lot of different indigenous tribes, pre-Hispanic tribes that that did these things and improving health, uh, deepening your spirit guide connection, earth connection, air connection, water, uh, also used for women who are giving birth. Yeah, because think about it. Like before modern medicine, the practices were very different. And in, in, in the Western world, we, I think, quite erroneously ditched tradition in yes. favor of modern science and I mean, in, in some ways that's good and, and shouldn't be abandoned, but in other ways it's just gone to some pretty strange extremes with like the massive amount of vaccinations and, and all of the things that we're doing, but well, that's another show. So let's not, let's yeah. not go into it. But I, <laughs> I also, so, um, one other, I just want to mention one other thing about Rhythmia because especially with you brought up the monks. So my friend, um, Christian Minson, he is a breath worker at Rhythmia and I love him so much. I've been on a breath work retreat with him in Seattle before and he practices a transformational breath. But prior to him getting into the breath work, he was a monk for 10 years and then he felt a calling to come back into this really? world. Yeah. And so like, I'm super excited to see Christian again because he runs the, I, I feel like, when people go to Rhythmia, it's Rhythmia Life Advancement Center. They either go there to uh, – they can do plant medicine or breath work or both. But it's not – people don't all go there with the intention of doing plant medicine. Right. Um, so I'm really excited to see Christian again because 
one of the first times I ever had a mystical experience was as a result of the breath work, like no doubt. Um, it's been a few years ago, but prior to that, I'd, I'd always wanted to have a mystical experience. It just never quite happened for me until I did the breath work. It definitely shifted something. I can't really, it's like, you know, kind of like ayahuasca. It's difficult to put it into words, but that work of the breath work um, yeah, moved something energetically inside my body to where it allowed me to start having the mystical experiences that, that I really wanted to have. It, I love that you said that. Breath work is, in, uh, it's powerful in such a magical way. Like, I, so one quick thing that I did first time I did breath work intensely, it was an hour and a half or two hour session and you have to sit back to back. It was called breath of breath of one. You have to sit back to back with somebody because you know, your whole body cripples up and you go into this state, you know, it's like almost when you wake up, if your leg falls asleep or something, you feel the tingles. Well, in this ceremony, like you cripple up really hard, like your arms cripple, you lock if you do the breath work and you really get into it. Well, I had a lifelong problem with my esophagus and my stomach, not being able to have any type of spicy food. Otherwise, I would just get acid convulsions. Um, stomach acid would come up into my throat. And I couldn't ever drink carbonation because it was the same type of thing, just mass bloating, stomach acid. It was just the most painful thing ever. And when I went into that breathwork session, there was a period where I was like facing certain spirits or entities and I was releasing them like they didn't feel right. And I was just telling them to leave. And I felt one of them leave my body and like everything. It just felt like something was like coming out of my throat. It was very strange. And when I came back to reality, like, of course, there's there are 75 people doing this at once. And so some people were screaming on the top of their lungs. Some were crying hysterically. Some were throwing up. Some peed themselves. It was just very intense thing when you have all those people doing this intensive of breath work. Um. As soon as I got out of it, I was like, man, I, I don't know why, but I crave like really spicy food right now. I was like, I don't ever, I was like, I can't eat spicy, but I crave it or whatever. And then I started trying spicy stuff and I can literally eat the hottest food and it doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> I did a complete 180. Like I can go to restaurants and be like, no, just give me the hottest thing that you have. And like, I'm just like, that feels amazing. Like it, there is no problem anymore. I get no acid reflux. There's no bloating. I can drink carbonation so I can drink like carbonated waters now, which I couldn't do before. Explain LaCroix. that. Bring yeah. on the LaCroix. Bring on the LaCroix. Yes. I mean, <laughs> explain that. Like that is insane. It, it literally rewired something in my brain. Yeah. Did look, something there's just... in my body. There's some juju going on that we don't quite understand. And that's okay because it's all part of like, it's all part of this adventure that we're having. And I'm so happy that you're so awake to it. And, uh, was I, I was thinking, um, I don't even know, but I, it's been a long time. I'm going to let you, <laughs> I'm going to let you jump off here. It's almost been two hours. It's just crazy. But Mary, I love you. Thank you so much for coming. I really, really appreciate Everything yeah, me too. You. It's my honor to have received your beautiful, beautiful story. I hope that this reaches everyone that it needs to reach. And um, also, we gave you that Aya guide. So post that for people. If you have any interest in ayahuasca, I did research it for six years and put together just a little guide of all the documentaries I watched, all the books that I read. So that did you send it to me last time? 
Yeah, I sent it to you. Uh, Soraya sent it, but we can always send it again so that you can make sure and have the link. Wait, what did you send it? You sent it like in July, right? Or June? No, we sent it like within the last week or two. Really? Probably. Yeah. Did you tell me you were sending it? I don't know. I don't think I ever. No, I don't I'll just have her resend it so that you have it. But I just want the, the audience to have it because um, it's it's a list of really great books, really great resources. Oh, because... no, I do have it because it's mentioned in your other show notes. Yeah. yeah I put, it, and, I put and... it in the old show notes. There's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation and there's a you know just as much as we've said all the good things that happened with ayahuasca there's also some bad things that can happen so I want to make sure that if you do feel the calling to do this that you are giving you, you know you're starting from a place of good information and places that are safe to go and experience yeah that's very very important so cool yeah I have the link if it's the for sure. I looked at that before I went. Awesome. Yeah, like a week ago, I was like, wait, I didn't know you sent me something else. Okay. All right. Okay. Go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about your experience soon and over the New Year's too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk, talk about that anytime. All right. I'm sending love to Illinois for you. Thank you. <laughs> we need it. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye, Heath. Peace. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence is slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smells that will assemble with our minds and sell to Earth. Hello. Well, that episode was long and toasty. This is Todd. I just wanted to close this out. I always want to leave you with a great, happy, merry taste in your mouth before you go on about your sexy little, kinky little, stinky little day. You're a stinky little, kinky little, riggy little boy and girl. You're bad little, sad little, mad little boys and girls. You're stinky little, kinky little, riggy little, dinky little boys and girls. <laughs> all, all the show notes heatharmstrong.com forward slash podcast if you want to check out the sweet ass domination deck which is not really about dominating ass at all but it can be if you want it to be toots uh, check out ragecreate.com or go to amazon also the sweet ass journal for developing your happiness muscle in 100 days also on Amazon. And lots of goodies. We're running a flash sale right now at twenty two twenty two on everything on the Rage Create store. And if you make a purchase at this time, you'll actually get an opportunity to be able to share your link and make some money back from all your families and friends. Basically, Heath has told me to sell you something so that he can eat some food. Now, if you want to buy something, that's up to you. I'm not going to judge you either way. 
Okay, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. I will be in touch with all you later. I'll touch you very closely and sensually. And, uh, yeah. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!